1: Hello, and welcome to The Depression Session on 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Today, we have with us in the studio, Stephanie, and she's here to talk to us about her depression as well as anxiety. So, I will get back to Stephanie in a minute, but first, let's just talk about going home. So, this summer, um, right, two weeks ago, I went to Baltimore, which is not my home. It is my boyfriend's home, to go to his brother's wedding. And I'm not a big fan of weddings. I'll be honest. I've never loved them. I've never been the girl who's like, Oh, I can't wait till I get married. I'm more like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) That's, that's not interesting to me. That's something that I think is nice for other people. And it's wonderful. And if if you feel religiously inclined, or if you really want to like become part of your community, and invite them into your relationship,
0: but I've always felt that it
1: was something that wasn't really very important to me, but I understand how it's important to other people. So that being said, I really had a great time. Um, I got to meet all of his family on both sides, and his brother, who I love, married someone who I also love. And it's just beautiful to see two people standing together and smiling and crying and being excited about something life together and doing it in front of their family and friends. And it was also neat to hang out with his Navy buddies. <laughs> and here's some, like, pretty um, racy stories of fun times that they had in the military. And it, and it was almost like, here's a different Dan, a Dan that I don't know. Then we flew to Michigan on Delta. And we spent a couple extra hours in uh, Baltimore and a couple extra hours in Atlanta, but somehow made it to Michigan anyway. And I don't know if you all knew about all the million and one. They actually, actually only canceled a thousand flights. So, but we made it and my family was all 20 of us staying in one cottage on the lake of Michigan, Lake Michigan, which is beautiful. And I always say it is the lake at the bottom of my heart. It is the blue that is in me. It is the beauty of being blue. Water has this incredible healing power to it. My family all gets together. There's some fractiousness. There's old stuff there. You know, my mom and her two sisters have a wonderful sisterly relationship, which also includes being really irritated with each other sometimes. And in amongst that, I found myself both being with Dan's family and thinking about our relationship and feeling at certain points really emotional and crying and where's my place in the world and then going to my family and thinking oh my god these people are crazy they're driving me crazy i love them i don't want them to hurt each other i want everyone to get along and i think it's a normal part of being home and then we went to, poor Dan, to hang out with all my best friends. My best friend, I know somebody said you can't have multiple best friends, but I do. Um, to just hang out with my best friend from elementary school, who I've known since I was five years old, whose mother is like my second mother. And I saw her and her mom and her dad and a couple of other friends when we watched the homecoming parade. So my hometown has 900 people in it. My graduating class is 20 people in a public high school. So we don't have a reunion if, if, if like half the class came in a normal class, you'd be like, yeah, it's a great reunion. If half the class came, it'd be 10 people. So what our town does is they have a town homecoming that's unrelated to anything like football. We didn't have a football team. You don't have a football team if you're graduating class is 20 students. So instead of having a football sort of homecoming, we have a homecoming that has to do with everybody who grew up there coming home. So my best friend from um, elementary school was there my best friend from middle school was there my best friend from high school and her twin sister and her best friend all got together and Peggy brought her husband and I brought Dan and I don't know that they had fun but we had a really great time recounting stories that were silly things from childhood so they're there when you go home it reasserts who you were and who you are and it gives you an it, it like an inroad to things that you Kind of had almost forgotten about. We were talking about our childhoods, of course. And one of the women said, I was so shy and felt so judged when I came to your school. Cause she came in seventh grade and imagine moving into a school where it's kindergarten through 12th grade in the same building. Everybody already knows each other. And I had never realized that about her. I didn't know she was shy and I didn't know that she felt excluded when she moved there. And she had continued to feel that way all the way through high school and it really surprised me. And then when we were just talking about who we were as high school students, she said, oh yeah, Laura was kicking butt and taking names. (laughs) And I thought, really? Is that really who I was in high school? And in some way it was. In some way I felt really protective of my friends. And it was really like, don't. Don't mess with us. I'll take you down. And I think there's still a little bit of that in me, but I've certainly become gentler and kinder and more understanding as an adult as I was, than I was as a kid. As a kid, I remember in seventh or eighth grade standing up in front of my entire class and saying, you're a bunch of stupid druggies. You're just going to stay here and be losers. And this did not make me friends. <laughs> now I think everybody goes through stuff. Everybody struggles. If this show has taught me nothing else, it's that everybody has a struggle and you may not know it and you may not see it. There's no reason to kick butt and take names. You can just look at somebody who's being cruel to you and say, "Wow, they're just having a really hard time. Now you can't let them be cruel to your friends you know shut that down a little bit. but that I think we never know the struggles that people are going through. You never know that there's that kid that felt excluded like all the time. I never knew that about her. So it was a homecoming of sorts and reevaluation of who I am. And I think if any of you had a chance to take a trip this summer or maybe visit some family, I hope that your homecoming was as generous and beautiful and full of the normal struggles as mine was. So today we have with us in the studio Stephanie, and she's going to tell us the story of her depression, anxiety. Stephanie, welcome. Welcome to the depression session.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks.
1: Yeah. So what's new with you?
2: What are you up to? What what what, what floats your boat? <laughs> Well, I wanted to share with you and the listeners, I just uh, recently saw a resource that might help everybody as an adult or as an adult with children. There's a program, it's a software, it's called My Social Sitter, My Social Standard. And the websites are mysocialsitter.com, the name of the software. And what I discovered with this resource is that it helps filter communication in text messaging and Twitter. And so signs of depression or anxiety as a child can be identified and alerted to parents very quickly. So it's not something where you could hold ch- you know constantly about the child's uh, state of health, but this software actually, cues you in as a parent or as an adult of there might be signs of depression here. Wow. Yeah, So I
1: just want to share that with the listeners. And, and you know, and that really clues in with this thing of like my friend saying how much she struggled in school and how alone she felt. And I thought, oh, my God, I didn't know. How do you know? Sometimes you
2: just can't know. And it, that sounds really helpful. Right. And, and it's an indication. It's not an intervention, but it's an education tool. Wow, cool! So, what else is going on in your life? Anything exciting? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> life in general is is exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm here to share the story of my past and and how each day is a new exploration and discovering more about how to look at the world more positively. Yeah, and um and recognize that my depression and anxiety. Is a constant learning situation. Yeah. And and I really relate to that because
1: one of the things with this show is I went in just kind of blindly like, wow, I struggle from depression. Oh, yeah. Lots of other people do, too. Once I started telling people, I realized, oh, you have depression and you have depression. Oh, wow. What? Again, I didn't know. I didn't even recognize that. So having done this show, it's clued me into all the combinations and ways that we experience depression. All the... All the different types of people that have ex- depression, and the way I experience depression will always be different than someone else's experience, but that we have these common threads, you know.
2: Absolutely. So, on that note, Stephanie, tell us the story of your depression. Okay. <laughs> I laugh because it goes back to childhood, like what you were talking about, from rediscovering your home and. My my home transition. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid, so we moved about seven times in my childhood. And because my dad's job moving up the ladder and it's all positive, my parents are still married. And but the transition of moving um, is very vivid of abandonment mm-hmm. of reestablishing something new um, all the time being the new girl and. It's amazing to me how young I was and how perceptive the bullying was so rampant. And mm-hmm. this was before social media. This is, I'm I'm kind of pushing 40 years old, but the traditional recess of feeling that anxiety of who am I going to play with or going to a cafeteria and saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sit alone again. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so I, I remember even being curious about it. I remember this boy, I was in third grade, and his name's Quentin. And I went over to him, and I'm like, why do you not like me? What did I ever do to you? And his answer is, you're just new. You're just different. You I mean, this is third grade. I mean, three years of like of a school, and I'm I'm the weird one. And I I internalized it a little bit, but I knew in my heart that I was a good person. I had so much to give. I'm so into dancing and playing and it just really triggered alone, like the aloneness. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I'm able to talk to my parents about that feeling, but the moving situation of always being new created a persona for me. Like Mm -hmm. I'm tough. I have a bit of a mask on. I'm able to pretend that I'm strong. When in fact, even as a little kid, I would just be so upset and I would pretend that I was fine. And the next move was middle school. And oh God, anybody rolls their eyes at middle school because it's like pretty terrible for everybody. But <laughs> a new girl in a new school, middle school, I was discovering who I was as a person, but I couldn't, I couldn't connect. I really couldn't connect. I felt very, I was happy in the sense that in the summertime, I was able to be free. I was able to make friends. I did summer camps and things like that. And thank God I did that because I needed an outlet to know. I needed a place where I was like, you know, it's its not me. I, I know it's not me. And so I begged my parents when these situations would come up in school and being picked on and saying I had an Afro puff of my hairs all naturally correlate. like saying, let's move again. Like that's my ammo. Let's leave. Let's go. Because that's what I was used to. So every school made me feel I wasn't good enough. And it just, it really broke my heart. And seeing those patterns as a child, as an adult, it really identifies why certain situations I get full of anxiety because of that past and because of those triggers, and that you know if if I didn't if I wasn't bullied I th- I think I think maybe perhaps I wouldn't be so outgoing because of that mask. <laughs> so in a way it's molded me, but um, being bullied and full of depression about it, of being sad as an adult, makes me dive in deeper. Is how can I nurture that young? Stephanie that I that I was and being like oh gosh do you you made it through and it's okay but the triggers are still there still there and um so pushing 40 and still having triggers of a third grade experience it's like a constant it's a constant of not feeling included not being appreciated being different being strange being weird and but wanting companionship, finding those friends that are not fake, not to my face fake. So it's a constant trigger of feeling included and that anxiety of why didn't I get invited as an adult? Why didn't I get included? You know, and oh my gosh, I have to eat alone at this restaurant. I'm by myself, you know, the trigger of being alone, of not having support, of that third grader, again, I have to learn to nurture her, and it's it's constant.
1: Yeah, Stephanie, thanks so much for sharing your story. I relate to a lot of that, actually. Weirdly, when my friend said that she felt outside of the group really strongly, I thought, well, I felt that way, and I grew up there, and I, I think that I was recently talking to someone about... And this is something that comes up, again, for me as an adult, about people telling me I'm not like anyone they've ever met before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is a theme I've been thinking about. And here I am, you know, in my 40s, <laughs> I'm not even pushing. And I still go through these questions of, in my, I, I had this theory a number of years ago. I'm like, my, my group of friends is a bunch of tribes of one. And I feel like there are people who are tribes. They have the same interests. The re- thing that pulls them together is a common bond of we're really similar. And sometimes I feel like my group of friends is that we're all the ones who don't fit anywhere. <laughs> 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 and it, and it, 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 it's a really important feeling to have a sense of belonging. And it's interesting because I, I work at Pima, and they just had a speaker. And Terrell, uh, I think it's Standhelm. And he just recently had a TED Talk, and he recently wrote a book about belonging in college, Mm -hmm. that um, having a sense of belonging, especially for minorities and other groups, is an essential part of the college experience. And as administrators and faculty and staff, part of our job is to help the students have a sense of belonging, that belonging is what keeps people in school. They could be academically doing okay and drop out of school for a lack of sense of belonging. That makes sense. And it's, it's different than elementary, middle, and high school. You're kind of stuck. You might be like, let's move. (laughs) But other than that, you're kind of stuck with, you're stuck with what you have. And in college, one of the issues is retention, like trying to keep students in your classroom, trying to keep them in college and see them through to graduation. It can be difficult.
2: And having a sense of belonging can keep people there, even if they're doing poorly. I, I was fortunate I transitioned with that. Mask persona in my um, early college days, and I got mm. super involved. And because I was seeking that uh, belonging, <laughs> so I joined organizations, I joined a sorority on a whim. It was not planned, <laughs> it was definitely. I went to a party, and they're like, Come on, join us! And I'm like, Whoa, um, which is a whole nother podcast. Like,
1: <laughs> I'm the new kid, yeah, I'd love to
2: join, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I do think that, like, in that college transi- transition, transition. I was like, let me explore, let me meet as many people as I can, because I did sense that I needed that belonging. And, and so I was able to start to have those positive experiences, which, which helped me as, a, as an adult now. I think I would be in a loony bin if that, none of the positive <laughs> things actually, actually ever happened. But um, I did find different groups. I never felt, even in college, I, even though I was, quote, unquote, a sorority girl, I was with the art league. I was in mm. drama. I was in the newspaper. Like I had the like theater geek. you were persona. in the weirdo group with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we
1: didn't know each other in college. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so like I, I because I could I perhaps was a chameleon and had that mask of I'm not sad. I could be integrated anywhere from that positive uh, interaction of moving so much because I could adapt so well. I think college was the best blooming experience because I could have that diversity Mm -hmm. and I could be like, oh, I feel free. I feel a little bit more adventurous or, you know, I don't need I don't need one group of high school friends because there's more people here.
1: And everybody's a new kid the first year of college. Even if you come Mm -hmm. in with a group of friends, you're going to be thrown into classes because of your interests that are you're the new kid. And as an instructor, it's really poignant that we're doing this now because school's just starting up again. I really, my goal this semester is to start with a sense of belonging. Start with, we are here for respect and interaction and connection. And art class allows a lot of freedom that it has to be because they're going to talk about their artwork. And sometimes it's intensely personal. Sometimes it is about something that's a really hard topic, their experience with depression, their experience with the loss of a loved one. I mean, they make, they make the most amazing artwork and they get to know each other and they do become a group. But I want to start it off with that. Like, you guys are here to be connected and to, to have an experience that is a real sense of community here in this classroom. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and having the talk that they did and, you know, like this, the speaker talking about belonging in college being like essential. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And you talking about like, oh, I was a new kid. Nobody liked me. I was like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't the new kid and I still felt like I didn't belong. It's so silly.
2: (laughs) Isn't it strange how even as an adult, some of the interactions still triggers. Like that's what is so frustrating. It's like that, okay, I've been to therapists, I've done self-help books. I mean, that's why I bought a Kindle so <laughs> people wouldn't see what I was reading. <laughs> you know, I'm always self-exploring. But it's like it's still there. Like The neurons in our childhood are atoms like at the cellular level of the experiences really shape that, that discovery and that healing. I, I still remember, I can't remember the name
1: of the television show right now, but it had Helen Hunt in it. And her husband was, she, she and her husband were talking, and her mom had come to visit. And she said, why can't she still push my buttons? I'm 40. <laughs> and he said, she installed them. Ah, oh,
2: that's so good. <laughs> I thought it <that> was excellent. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and I do think that we're meant, we are not. We don't come here to be perfect. Oh. We come here to learn and grow and you only resolve a little piece of it. You never stop being you. I was at a party last night We started talking about what I do and I'm like, Oh, I have this radio show. And then we ended up talking about anxiety and depression and all sorts of wonderful things. And I love these kinds of conversations. I love the show. I love doing the show because having an open conversation about things that are meant to be beneath the mask that we all wear. And she was saying that anxiety it it, 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 after years, you know, going to a therapist who said, oh, well, you know, you'll still just, <laughs> you're, you're going to still have anxiety. It's not going to go away. You're going to figure out tools for dealing with it. I'm not going to show you how to stop being anxious. I'm going to show you how to deal with the anxiety that you have and the tools that you need to get you through it. And that's a really frustrating thing to hear. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. Can I get a free pass? (laughs) Don't I get to pass out of this class into something else? But really, I think we are who we are. We connect with who we connect with. We have the passions that we have. And within all that, we figure out ways of getting by. We figure out ways of getting through the day and making something meaningful with our lives.
2: That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I think the anxiety of various triggers of the Mm -hmm. I can't control this Mm -hmm. situation you know and then it's like it it becomes expansive like oh my gosh if this happens in the future if this happens this is what I gotta do and it's like problem solving solutions that for things that are not even happening
1: yeah I heard this thing about throwing your past out into your future
2: Ooh, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that that's that's what
1: you just what you just said is a is a version of throwing your past out into your future the, the things that happen to you in third grade mm-hmm. you you take those worries and throw them out into your future so in so you're like what if this happened and what if that happened and then what's mm-hmm. the result of that that's like taking something that you experienced and putting it out in front of how you're going to live and experience does that make sense no <laughs>
2: how do I do it? Like, what do I
1: tell myself to not, I guess it's a matter of not doing it. Of like, instead of taking the old stuff that you experienced and assuming that you're, you're, you're leading a pathway where you're going to not belong, where someone's not going to like what you did, that, that you're going to have those same um, interactions. The thing that this was something I did recently and, and and, and instead to reframe it as, what, who would
2: I be if I weren't that and throw that out in the future? Yeah, so turn that negative to a positive because I moved around so much. I was able to be thrown into situations that most people could not Yeah. Perhaps or something like, like
1: that. it, it rather know. than saying like, I wish I weren't anxious. you would say, I'm going to be confident, calm, resilient. That's mm-hmm. who I am. That's who I'm being right now. Instead of saying, I'm that anxious girl, what am I going to do when this happens? What am I going to do when that happens? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to do, but it, it's empowering to think that way.
2: So what I'm hearing is that you coach yourself, that you can support yourself mentally of, you know, I could get through this.
1: Yes, Yeah. And then you go home and you see your family and your boyfriend says, wait, wow, you're really jacked up this week. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but he's, he, he he's also, you can also invite people into your, at least this is something that's worked for me, invite people into your experience and say, hey, I'm going to be seeing my family and there's a chance that I'm going to have a struggle. And then can you help me if you see me doing that by just asking me if I'm all right. And that's what he, forward, like, <laughs> yeah, he was just like, well, well, I noticed that you were really jacked up. So how you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, 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 and uh, this, yeah. and this not even my problem. That's my mom. I don't know why that still gets to me. <laughs> like right.
2: all these things. Right? Yeah. The triggers. Yeah. But you know what's strange? I'm, what I'm struggling with. I don't know if listeners are like in the moment of a trigger, what do I do to self soothe it? So it's not a trigger. Like some certain situations I'm like. Oh, I can recognize that trigger after the fact. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's the situation Put in it, remove myself from it,
1: or give into it, and say to the person next to you, "This is something that's hard to do, but it's a practice I've been trying to do." My this was a couple months ago. I was really stressed, and a whole bunch of things were going on. And I said to Dan, and I were having a conversation. It started to get amped up. Which I know no one else does that, but oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that sometimes happens. And so we started to get amped up. And I was getting upset, and I felt not heard. And I just yelled at him. I'm like, this isn't about you. This is about me. I am struggling right now. Can you give me that minute to just freak out? Can you let me indulge this? And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, okay, what do you need? I'm like, can you rub my back? (laughs) And I'm going to cry and probably yell at you. Can you be okay with that? And just telling him, like, I'm freaking out, and I need you to be okay with that. And he's like, I'm not comfortable. I'm not actually okay with this. And I'm like, can you rub my back anyway? Uh. <laughs> it's, it's really, I think in the moment, the hardest thing, and it comes from looking at it after the fact of like, what I really would have liked then was to have him on my back. And the more I think about it afterward and we have the discussions, because we have these conversations after we've, <laughs> we have what we call talking sessions. where We give each other free reign to say whatever you want to for 30 minutes. Oh, that's great. And then the other person just reflects back what they heard. And that has been really helpful for me. And the main thing is that's helped me see in the moment rather than having to have a talking session later to say, I'm going to freak out now. Can you just let me freak out? (laughs) Something's really triggering me now. And sometimes he can't, he's like, I can't do that. I'm like, okay, can I leave? and We can do this later.
2: See, like my personality, I can't, people are telling me to like step away, like reflect on it later, like in the moment I'm hot headed. Step into it. Solve this now. I got to move on now how do I table it? How do I just say, okay, we're going to get back to that later because I just like, Oh, I want to, I want to know the answer now. I want to be soothed now.
1: Yeah. And, and we've got to, we've got to wrap up the show. But I think the one thing about that is to know yourself and to not try to stop being yourself and figure out how you can be yourself in that moment. So on that note, thank you all so much for listening to the depression session and tune in next week. Love you.
0: I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.